You're listening to Post Dramatic Stress, hosted by Charlotte D. A weekly podcast to connect creatives and communicate about the highs, lows, and laughs of being in a creative industry. Just holds up. We are getting way too excited in here. Welcome to Post Dramatic Stress, episode five. I am joined today by a very loud air conditioner that I'm turning off right now. And also, human guests, not just an air conditioner, I have with me today a returning guest, an amazing returning guest called Isabella Jacqueline, which is very exciting for me to have her back another time. Um, And I am also joined by Andreas Pichelik. (laughs) Is that how I say it? Very well, very well. You did it so well. We had much discussion about the pronunciation of poor Andreas's name, and I'm sure I've butchered it, but I Mm. did do my best. Um, Hi, guys. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on um, today. Today we are going to be talking all about um, screen and the power of a visual moment on screen um, from all different angles, hopefully. Um, Now, Isabella... We know you, or Bella, as you prefer, um, already from a previous episode, but for those that haven't listened to that yet, she is an amazing actor. I prefer actor rather than actress. I like to just have a neutral term. I hope that's okay with you. Why not? Um, And also, uh, she has created, amazingly, at such a young age, because she's a crazy boss-ass woman, um, a production company called Other Side Films. Um, And at the moment, uh, she has one that's quite popular called Whose Crime Is It Anyway? And it is all about sexual assault on film sets. Yep. Mm. Yep. That's very <laughs> succinct. Yep. That's the best answer. Yep. That's One all she's got. Yep. That is true. Anyway. These things are true. Um, and Andreas is also an actor. But I, you guys do other things as well. You do other things. We You're direct, not just an actor. We write. Yeah. Do, we do stuff. Yeah. You do all sorts of things. <laughs> um, and he is in an upcoming movie called Balboa Boulevard. He is also um, well known for two short films called Imperfect Quadrant and The Silent City. You should check them out. Um, he, I've stalked you, Andreas, and I believe you realised your passion for acting when you were in high school, performing on stage in Germany. That's so correct. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Damn, I'm a, I'm a good bio. little stalker. Yeah, very, <laughs> very good. Very well. Yes. Um, you travel to the US as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And you currently, uh, there's an upcoming film. I'm not sure why I'm holding this so close to my face. I'm holding my papers up for those that are listening at home. Um, are in a film coming out called Glimmer of Hope, which is all about a Polish um, priest where you had to learn Polish. Correct and correct and correct. Yes. Mm, how was that? Uh, interesting, because uh, obviously growing up in East Germany, we had a choice of learning Russian as well. So yeah. I took Russian and I said to the guys, look, I love to audition for the Polish priest, even though I'm not speaking Polish, yeah. but I'm sure I can learn it because I can speak some sort of yeah. Russian. And they said, yeah, sure, we'll give it a go. And yeah, we had a translator and I learned my lines and uh, apparently Polish people can understand me. So That's, that's always <laughs> it a bonus. Worked. It worked. So that's that's great, yeah. amazing. How long did it take you to learn all your lines in Polish? And what was that like? Um, thankfully, it was a short film, so there wasn't too many lines. <laughs> um, I don't know how long it took. Like, just a couple of weeks, I guess. Like, yeah, repetition. Just it's, a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's no just the... It's the... It's, uh, yeah, repeating it and just getting the pronunciation right, you know, like... 
Because is it true that if you've learned like a couple of languages already, it's easier to pick up another one? Definitely, I would yeah. say so, yeah. Poor me. See, I yeah. got ripped off. I was born in England. So I'm born somewhere else. But what did I get? English. And then Australian. So I know. It doesn't even count. Bow, bow, ripped bow. off. Well, I think that's amazing and lovely. And I think you guys are going to be perfect to talk about all such things film today. Um, in particular, the first thing I want to talk about is what do you think makes a good scene? For example, do you think it's based on the quality of the work and then the perspective of the audience or do you think there's just some magic formula in the editing room and the sound design team um and the script what do you think what makes a great watchable scene on screen ladies first if you like thank you um well two things i think firstly there has to be that semblance of story there if it's a scene for nothing it shouldn't be a scene that ends up in the final cut because it's just going to distract the audience and put time onto the narrative um i do think that editing is hugely important you know mm. an actor's performance may be flawed but in the editing room it can be made to look brilliant in the same way an actor's performance can be downplayed in the editing room because there is quite a hierarchy you want your lead actors to look better than your supporting actors unfortunately and a lot of things are edited to that way i think it's less about um, the individual actors even and the editing and more about in the terms of the entire story of that script, how does that scene fit? And I think making sure that it has an arc, that it's in there for a reason, mm. that it's moving on to the next scene, that we'll move on to the next one, that we'll eventually build. Um, if there's a scene that's pulling you backwards, then that's not a scene that's helpful for anyone. For audiences, they don't think about any of that, though. They just see something and they're like, oh, I like this. Mm. What, what do you think... Like, what do you think happens for them? Because they're not thinking, oh, I really liked the, you know, you're right. You're get, the technical, you're so right, but they're not thinking about like, yeah, I really liked the way it arced and I really liked what the editing guy did. Like, what do you think is happening for them as an audience? Uh, I think it's uh, if they believe it, what's happening in that scene. So mm. if it has believability in it, but also if they connect to the character, you know, like I think that makes a scene like you could have the best scene in the world, but... If you don't like the character, if you don't like the actor, it's like, yeah, I didn't like it that much. But if you're all in it, involved in it, I think that makes any kind of scene the perfect scene because the people are just drawn to it. They connect with the character. Like you said, it's the whole kind of film, so to speak. Yeah. But yeah, I think as well, editing makes yeah. such a difference in filming. But I always believe if you believe what you're doing in the scene as an actor and you feel it, it shall, shall translate outside of it and the audience will catch it. But yeah. as a viewer, non-actor, I think for a perfect scene, it could be the music introducing it, which yeah. puts them in that nice mood of either, you know, happiness, sadness, and go, oh, that was very touching. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so many things. Yeah, I think, I think sound definitely for me, like just... The difference between when you watch something like without the sound, it changes everything. Like sound design, I think, is a huge impact. Um, talking about audiences, then, do you think do you think it's what they bring? Like you were talking about characters and them not liking a character. Do you think they can watch something, not like a character, and still enjoy the scene, or do you think they have to like the person? What do you think? That's a good question. In terms of Enjoying the scene, I mean, like, you can watch Game of Thrones, for example, and you hate one particular guy who's an asshole on the show, and you go, oh, my God. So 
technically you didn't enjoy the scene, but it was a fantastic scene because it yeah. puts you in this mood of hating that character, yeah. the actor in that in that scene. So I don't know if that's the perfect scene then as well because it did something to you. you know? It moved it, you. Still. It moved you exactly. Yeah. So therefore, I think you can not like the character and still make it a great scene but you might not enjoy it as much like, yeah you know. yeah i don't even think it's so much about liking the character is understanding them yeah like, if an audience really understands the motives behind what a character is doing it doesn't matter if they're the most dislikable character in cinematic history they're going to have a degree of empathy and interest in that individual because they'll see why and if they don't know why, it's very one-dimensional and they aren't very connected. But if they find two characters that they're like, ooh, I don't know, this guy's bad, this guy's kind of good, but they've both got aspects to them, I think that's what makes a really good scene because yeah. nothing should be one-dimensional. True point. Yeah, I think, I don't know what this says about me, but I really enjoy watching villains in movies. Like, Sorry. <laughs> I think they're so interesting. I love them. Even in, like, Disney movies when I was younger, you know, I really liked, um, is it Scar in The Lion King? Mufasa's brother? He's so evil and it's so sad. He kills Simba's dad. For anyone, <laughs> I'm getting really, really into this. But he's, I think it's what you're saying. It's still so watchable because of the why. So I think it's, it's, it's being able to connect with maybe the worst parts of yourself even like you could you know i was gonna say that i think i mean i personally like villain as well but i would see myself as a nice guy in normal yeah, life yeah. i mean i'm a nurse and i think uh, it wouldn't work well if i was a villain at, at work you know the <laughs> you'd hope not uh, <laughs> one would hope <laughs> yeah one would hope but i like playing the the bad guy as well just mm. because you get a chance to explore that kind of side in you when you're yeah. in a safe environment which yeah yeah. Maybe it brings us back to them being authentic and you guys were both talking about watching something that is is real. Like what's the point of having a scene if it's just a scene or, you know, the character has to have truth to it. And I think even a villain is super watchable if they have truth to their performance and they they have their why, they have their reason, they have their... And why often the villain will be more watchable than the hero? Mm. It's because the writer and the director will be like, okay, well, this is the villain. We have to make sure we've got the reason why he's the villain. But mm. the poor hero is often left out because by yeah. default, that's the hero. Mm. So they don't have enough whys. They don't have enough aspects to themselves. Yeah. They're sort of two-dimensional and the villain is often three-dimensional, which is brilliant. But that means as a creative industry and we need to learn to make sure that the hero is even more rounded because... We often leave the hero because we get too caught up on the villain. And then we're teaching yeah. an audience the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And, like, there always is this same sort of whitewashed, like, image of, like, a hero. It's always the same image. But people are flawed. Yeah, exactly. And people are flawed. And maybe that's why it's so interesting to watch a villain because um, oh, I think I'm going to talk about topic three. <laughs> this is leading into topic three. Um, you know, like we're talking about is anything original on screen anymore? And do audiences just want this same comfortable expected formula that we're given of like the hero and the villain and the hero is always lovely and oh, maybe they've got a little bit of a problem and they overcome it. And, mm. you know, like, I think I for one, I'm getting sick of that. But I don't know what, like, what do you think? Do you think audiences are getting sick of that? Are you getting sick of that? I think like for me, what I'm personally getting sick of right now because you have all these platforms you know from netflix over stand over whatever mm. you can watch a show in one day if you got the time <laughs> but it's just 
every show is trying to put in so much into it, you know, any kind of topic, regardless, mm. related, whatever, they have to put it in. And so you have all these different things. It's too much input. It's overwhelming. And you just want yeah. a simple story. But it's if it's written well, if it's got the characters in it, you can connect to the characters. That's all I want to watch, you know, like some... I. I'm an 80s child. I love 80s movies. They're always good. There's always like a, a love story in there. And it's great. Mm. You know? like, but now it's just like, yeah, here they come in. The aliens come from this guy. But mm. then turns out this guy's homosexual. Oh, my God. We've got to put that in as well. Racism. What about racism? Yeah, I put that in. Disability. Put that in. Put everything in. And it just maybe it's too much in some shows. Whereas if you have a certain genre, you have certain characters and you connect with the characters. Yeah, I think it's why you're putting it in there. Like, it's, it's, if it's like a natural story, then those elements should be in there. But I think what you're saying is they're putting them in there for the sake of it rather uh, than it being like a real story with someone who has a disability, for example, because that's We're real. just putting it, it into tick boxes. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. for some yeah. shows, you know, like others, exactly, it fits and it goes well, but I think it's because every show is competing with the next and you have to have all these things on top you know i think it's yeah. yeah sometimes a bit overwhelming in the as well as probably the speed to get those shows up and running because you know like there's another one and another one okay this one has already been done we've got to add another five things at least into it to make it even better than the first one of the to compete yeah it's sad. yeah yeah what do you think bell and i think a lot of the time um well we are we're really very also cgi heavy at the moment um more and more so and i think audiences aren't getting sick of it because they are enjoying it especially the younger audience but i do think we could give them something more because we have that hero like we were saying that poor mm. one-dimensional hero and then we've got that villain who's a rounded character and they clash and then we've got our cgi and we've got our b storylines of all our political issues that we jam in like we were saying and i think um what would be awesome is if we actually could do, have a show where we were telling other sides to things, you know, everything is mm. very, very black and white. Yeah. And if we can have two people and we don't know who to sympathise with, I think if the audience are allowed to make up their own mind more, that would be very yes. powerful. Because yes. they're not allowed to. Yeah. And is it really an opinion if we're reinforcing, yeah, that's bad, you should never do that. All we're doing is reinforcing social prejudices. We're doing nothing to make them question themselves, mm. question human morality, and go out of the cinema actually and talk to the person next door to them and go, wow, that impacted me. Yeah. And nothing at the moment is really impacting people. Yeah, yeah. I think you've hit yeah. the nail on the head. Like, I think it's, it is. it is. It's just that, that same old thing and we're not making anyone think. And you can almost watch the start of something and see exactly what's going to happen throughout the whole thing. Correct, because it's <laughs> you know? over and over and over then. But if you watch yeah. a show like Atypical, you know, the guy with autism in the show, fantastic show it's just very catching and yes there's the normal family drama to it but the characters are so well put together and the show mm. is so simple that you don't need to oh what's what's coming next you just interested to explore the character's journey on their way in the show yeah. rather than okay who's next what's next but you know it just yeah. has a nice flow to it, it whereas some shows it's just okay top it top it top it top it top it top it yeah, I and agree. It's too much. Yeah, I feel like I'm definitely. Um, for me personally, I'm I'm just getting sick of going to see things. And you're right; it doesn't make you think. It doesn't change you. It doesn't. 
they're not real versions of human beings to me. Like human beings are flawed and unusual and unpredictable and I just feel like there there isn't a lot out there right now and I, I wonder if audiences will ever get sick of that and realise that they're just being sort of sold this same overstimulating, it's almost like a drug-like coma you go into when you, when you watch these things. You, you switch off with most of the stuff you watch on, mm. like... I don't want to bag Netflix because I love Netflix and I watch it all the time. But, you know, you, you, you sign up to a series and you watch it. And, and for me, I feel like half the time I'm just, like, gazing vacantly at the screen. So it's not changing me. It's not, like, how do we... And I think it's, it's one point what you just said. It's because you have the chance to watch the whole three um, episodes, not episodes, the whole yeah, three the whole... seasons yeah. in one hit, I think that makes a difference. Because you if, don't digest it. Exactly. If you have the one, one show per week, you'll be fresh, you'll be, you know, maybe a bit more connected. But now because you can watch it and you start at 8 p.m., but then it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you're still watching it, <laughs> of course you're going crazy, you know. And that I think that drains us, it drains me personally. Yeah. You are invested, but you do want to watch the next one, the next one. So yeah. it turns into... And I think then it's formatted like that because they know that's how we're going to be watching it. It is, So they're giving us a couch watch, you know, something that we can just lay back and not really think about. It will all be spelled out to us. It's literally just for the sake of making our eyeballs fixate on something. It is. Do you think people will ever get sick of that, though? Do you think people are getting sick of that? I am. Like, I just don't know how, how do we change this? Like, I mean, other than writing and producing the work ourselves, which is wonderful, but... I yeah. don't know. Will that ever change? It's been going like you and me. I, I feel like it's been that way since the 80s. <laughs> like, yeah. When, yeah. when will this change and why hasn't it? Like, I don't, I don't know that it will change because, um, not collectively, because people are, the majority of people do aren't really invested in a story. They don't, they may, enjoy yeah, themselves. they've never maybe been invested, so they don't know the feeling. You have to try something before you're hooked on it, right? Mm. So um, I, I think a lot of people, but there are people. There are people that do want more, and that is why there is some content that's coming out, especially indie cinema. Mm. Hollywood is starting to crash for that reason, and Netflix isn't at the moment. But I think as the younger generation of creatives come through, they are starting to think a little bit more out of the box, um, which could be brilliant. But that could be crushed as well if the audience don't receive it well. Yeah, and I think as well it is an industry which has been going for whatever, how long, (laughs) <laughs> and I think people are always going to produce because it's also money making and you can't blame them, of course, you know. Mm. So I think it's just going to be, it's up to the you, the viewer, viewer's choice if they really want to sit through five days nonstop watching something or if they say, look, you know what, I'm going to put boundaries in and I'm going to watch three episodes a day. That's it. And then to enjoy it a little bit more rather than watching a binge all the way Maybe through. Maybe that's what they People want. People don't have the willpower anyway. Yeah, Maybe that's it's... what it is. They need to practice willpower. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Maybe they do just want to switch off. Maybe that's why it's there and that's why it's so successful. They have, you know, I think our lives as human beings are getting more and more stressful and you know we don't stop and we don't think we don't connect with ourselves anymore and maybe they just come home and want to like escape reality and that's why they want this comfortable sort of they know what's going to happen. It's not going to shock them. They're there for a nice little experience to switch off for an hour. So I I don't know. I guess, yeah, if that's their way of relaxing, then yeah. that's probably exactly the concept they're going for. It's why they're watching. I would, I would urge people, though, that do feel the need to escape everything and do that in television. 
instead of watching it, try writing it because <laughs> yes. you really can write yourself into another reality and it is so much more immersive. And when you finish, it's not like, okay, that's done. It's like, now I can go somewhere with this. You can read back on it and feel a sense of pride as opposed to being like, oh, shit, I was just watching on Netflix for five hours. Solid. <laughs> yes, yeah. that was great. What have I done with my life? Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah. would encourage people to do that more. Better for your brain as well. I feel like the formula that's out there at the moment, you know, we keep talking about it making us switch off. And I think as human beings, we're so connected to all this electrical stuff and these visual images. And I think it just stifles creativity completely you know and maybe as creative people if that's what we're watching we need to be really careful about the choices we're making because then we will just create the same won't we like if we're not i don't watch um i don't have netflix and i i yeah i don't watch television either i'll go watch go to the cinema and watch some films yeah sometimes and i'll choose which ones i do like a selection of genres because i think that's important i did i used to do film reviews yes so i got into that habit of watching everything and that's when I first started realizing that all the content is very similar I was writing out reviews and I'm like why are all the flaws identical I could put them all in a row and I was like there is a real genre of what is going wrong coming through yeah and no one's really putting a spanner in that and it was just force feeding the audience what they like and what they want and what necessarily may not get rave reviews yeah. but what they will turn out to the cinema to see if it's got a hot person in it addresses some issues got some great new cgi that always sells <laughs> you know a rising star that everyone can go follow on social media an established actor that everyone's like oh well it will be a good show yeah and that's what people want yeah there's not really much outside of that by the time you tick all those boxes there isn't much you can do to go outside of that Mm. Same. Uh, funny enough, uh, I don't have a TV either. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I do have a laptop and I watch Netflix. So yeah. if I do watch something, it'll be a show or a movie on Netflix. And But yeah, the trap is I think it brings the next show within five, four, three, two, it one. It does, yeah. And you don't even have to click it. So yeah. I think you got to really train yourself to say, okay, cool. What's my time limit for today? To escape maybe from your your stresses from the day, but don't be zonked out in it for five hours and then stay up longer, which creates less sleep, which creates yeah. a bad habit, and you feel even more drained, not just from the show, but from staying up late and that kind of stuff. So yeah. I think yeah, for an entertainment industry, if you enjoy movies, just pick them wisely and just choose the ones you really want to watch and don't just watch Everything. some random show just because it's on, because that will just deplete you, I think. I feel like I need to rearrange my life now and like oh. dispose of all of my TVs. You are welcome, no problem at all. I'm like, We're you guys, you've inspired you, Charlotte. You feel guilty about. Um, <laughs> all right, turning the TV off forever. Um, when we're talking about, you know, uh, going back to, we we're talking about what makes a good scene or what generally makes a good project or a good movie. I suppose, are we just? Talking about, you know, audience re audiences recognising what they think is a good piece and awards, do you, th like, what is the difference there? Like, do you think audiences care about awards? Do you think, start with that, do you think audiences care about whether or not a movie has awards? In general, I say if the movie has been nominated five times, they probably have an idea this is going to be a great movie but then again it depends on the person's own opinion if they really enjoy that kind of genre if they enjoy the actors if they enjoy the story mm. so I think yeah just because somebody says oh you gotta go and see that film yeah. doesn't mean I'm gonna enjoy it so I think 
Yeah, I think a lot of people will fall for, fall for it and say, yeah, that's great. It has won five awards. I'm going to watch it. And perhaps usually it is a great movie, but yeah, it's it's your own opinion, what you kind of, what you're into, I think. I'd say it's social proof reasons. Um, when the original films come out, if anything, people look at the critic reviews or they're going to say to their friend, hey, you saw that, what did you think? I think when something's actually nominated for an award, like the Oscars this year, everyone had seen all those films. And it's because people don't want to be the one person that hasn't seen it. You know, mm. people are like, so what did you think of Bohemian Rhapsody? And they don't want to be that idiot that's like, well, mm. I didn't watch it. So it's almost like when something is up for a big award, by default, the pressure of other humans around us, we feel like we're streamlined into we have to see it. doesn't matter if we don't want to, we have to see it because we don't want to look like the weirdo. Mm. So I think in that way, uh, awards press people into watching something because maybe they're insecure in themselves as well mm. and they want that be able to you know a conversation where they can say yeah well this is what I thought even if they say oh well you know I, I thought that actor could have been cast better which is pretty well what everyone says but um like they could do better <laughs> well <laughs> do you think awards um contribute to talking about you know as actors and writers and behind the screen as well do you think awards change what gets created in regards to short films and movies and do you think it puts pressure on you know this moment on screen do you think what do you think the effects are of awards on yeah what happens within a short film or what happens for actors and basically all of the team like do you think that's a thought or do you think people are just creating work I think no I don't think it puts like say pressure or it changes it to the worst or better I think an award should be just an acknowledgement of you know excellence but even just being nominated is the same thing but only one out of four one out of five can take it home so I think yeah. it's just the cherry on top if you do take the award home but if you have been nominated and you did fabulous work in a film short film whatever it might be I think that you should be proud of that just alone so yeah. I don't think losing or winning the award will make a difference I'm sure it will boost certain people's profiles and certain people's income and that kind of stuff and gives them more options but it doesn't mean that the person who was nominated or wasn't nominated is less successful or less brilliant mm. than the one who won it because mm. it's also because everybody is going to have a different idea of what is a good film and what contributes to that um like with my production company we've done four films and um that's been in about six months and they've taken over like 30 awards between them not including nominations and official selections but congratulations i know well, She's thank amazing. you very much <laughs> um but some of them do better than others and mm. in different categories. Like we've got the one which is the drama, it's kind of a black comedy about sexual assault on film sets and it's tackling a very heavy topic. And a lot of festivals won't touch it. And that is the same problem we were having when we were originally filming it. Um, a lot of filmmakers were like, look, I love that, but I don't think at your age, because I'm only 18, you can tackle that. And I, I did. Mm. And it worked, obviously. But... There are some people and festivals that are like, no, something needs to be told. But there are also people, going back into what we were saying, that are going to shy away from anything that's a little bit different. Mm. And I think an award, originally it can serve as, it just, okay, 
So it was what I thought. It's just a clarification. Mm. I think for a lot of actors, especially, if they win an award, it's a huge boost. I find like a lot of my actors have won awards and I love that for them. They seem really excited about it. Now that my films are winning so much, it starts losing it. Um, it's more just like, okay, it's just a clarification. It's not saying you get overly excited about. If anything, it's a little bit sad because people do put so much value on the awards. And I find that in our creative industry, people, especially in Perth, it's tiny, they will treat you so differently just because of one award, which was overseas. Mm. Um, and it is sad because nothing has changed. You know, it's still the f- film that we made. You know, we're still the same people. We just happen to be now validated, if mm. you like. And people are very, very shallow in that, I find. Mm. I, th- I think... So then bringing it back to what we were talking about at the start, should we just be focusing, I, this is my opinion, but please tell me what you think, as actors and as people involved in these projects, should we just be focusing on our own magic and you know what we think makes a good moment on screen then rather than worrying about what the industry thinks? Do you think that will... Well, you obviously sign up to a film or a story if you can stand behind it. You know, mm. you're not just going to do so. If you want to express yourself creatively through a certain movie, if it's short or long, it doesn't matter. Uh, definitely do it and don't care about what other people think about it because it's your way of expression. You know, if you mm. can stand 100% behind the idea yeah. and you think it's good and it's not going to harm anybody, go for it. Do it. Yeah, because maybe that's what other people needed to see exactly that film to think about something they never thought about before rather mm. than going oh no that topic is a bit uh, we probably shouldn't you know because people be offended and people be upset about it but if it's done in a respectful way i think it is your right to express yourself to maybe alert other people about a certain topic you know mm. that's what i Mm. think about that and i think it comes down to not bashing people making sure we create an unbiased Um, an unbiased creation where people can make up their own minds and I do think being on set it is very important that we look at the end goal of the story and not at the end goal of the accolades further down the track by the same token don't make something that's never going to see the light of day just because everyone's going to hate it the festivals are going to hate it make a good quality something that like Andreas was saying everyone is going to stand behind that you feel is right to yourself And then I think go forward, do that, and who cares what anyone thinks? And if you win the awards, if you believe that that was the best that you could do, honestly, that's all that's going to matter at the end. That's all it takes, exactly. Yeah. it's. I think we're not, as actors, we're not out here to win awards. If you get Mm. one, fantastic. But that is a panel of so many people saying, yeah, we really like that film, we really like that actor. But there's millions of people out there who might say, oh, I didn't like that actor, but they weren't there to vote for it so it's just somebody's opinion so as long as you enjoy your craft and you're passionate about it go and do it just go and do it yeah but by the same token use your films and your awards as stepping stones to go to the next level like with mine i'm not being too controversial or anything you take it to the next level where you have a platform to really use your voice be careful not to use all of your voice when no one's listening 
basically make sure you can climb to that point where people do listen first so step by step step by step, by step. <laughs> hurry slowly as someone told me the other day oh, like very that. wisely hurry mm. slowly mm. i like that a lot um it's i can't believe it's at the 31 minute mark i got so invested in what you guys were saying i don't even think i followed half of the things i meant to follow um but i do think i had a follow a question and that is for both of you what is your most authentic moment on screen and why Ooh. Mm. I think for me, out of, as an actor. As an actor, or not whatever comes to you, but even if it's something you've created to be an authentic moment, that's fine too. But what is your most authentic moment creatively on screen or contributed to? Like an actual film that has happened or a scene? It doesn't have to be. It just could be something that's recorded and for some reason or another you just thought it was really authentic and watchable and magic. Um, Making you guys think here. Yeah, I was just thinking back about a little short film we did and I was acting along a child actor and I think I was playing his dad and just being, and he was, um, it's called The Sound Silent Makes. Uh, It Mm. won nearly an award as well. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, because some people said, oh yeah, that film is good. But just um, playing a dad and being with a child actor, I think you are more immersed in a scene because it's it's a child, I don't know, it just creates this different feeling of protection or, you know, care than if you act along an adult actor and in the scene the, the kid uh, regained his hearing and I was just genuinely happy for him yeah. to hear, so that made me my response was so genuine and true that yeah. I was just like so excited for him that he could all of a sudden hear again that possibility. So yeah, that that is one moment of for me where I say that was a really lovely time on set and a really nice scene which made me think that was magic. It yeah. was magic, that yeah. Was magic. I think working with kids is great for that because they, they don't have any filters yet and they... No. I was watching this documentary about one of the kids that was in ET or maybe it was something that Annie showed us in class. I'm not sure, but um, someone was showing me this. It was just so believable because they don't have those filters and everything is so real for them. Every scene is real for them because their imagination is just, it's uncensored. It's It's not like ours. And I think working with kids is such an opportunity because it does put you straight into that zone because it's so real. I think bouncing off someone like that, yeah. you know, even if they're young, is like, obviously I'm not saying older people can't do that too, but kids do it so naturally exactly. that, you yeah. know, it just connects you into that moment and then straight away your responses and your behaviour and your acting is just natural because you're there, you're in the scene and you can, yeah, yeah really connect. It, yeah, it uh, creates natural instincts in you just yeah. by having... A child yeah. in that scene, I guess, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, and then you're not thinking about the emotions. They're coming naturally. You've got your objective in the scene. You know what you want to talk about, but everything else that happens is just sort of real and yeah. obviously very watchable if it's won an award. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which is amazing. What do you mm. think? What's your... Oh, I'd say it would actually be a self-test um, that I didn't book, and I was taping it with my wonderful coach, Miles Pollard, and we were we'd been at it maybe half an hour and I just wasn't feeling it. It was probably the worst performance I've ever given in my life. And 
I was just like, Miles was like, what is it? Because it's good, but I can guarantee you whoever's going to book this role is going to go a lot further than that. I don't believe you. Yeah. And I thought, shit, you know, sorry now I swore, but... It's so fun. I literally thought, well, that's all I can do. I can't give anything. And I think that's something that a lot of actors get to. They'll get to a point, they'll be like, I can't relate to this. I can't give anything. I feel like I can't do anything. So I went out into the hall and I just had a drink of water and I was like, I think that's it. I can't act anymore. You know, I I can't do it. I walked back in and he was like, do you want to have one more shot? And I was like, yeah, okay. I can't do it. And I started and I wasn't really trying anymore. I wasn't honing in on this is the tool here. This is what I want. I was just like, you know what? I'm just doing it for him, but that's it for my acting. And when I let go... Suddenly, I realised that I was so in it. I felt like this character. And I got to the end of the scene and Miles had tears in his eyes. Ah. And I was like, wow. And I said, and he was like, how did that feel? And I said, well, for the first time, that actually felt like I was me. Yeah. And that's when, and I was like, well, my acting career is not over. And I didn't book that. But it was the first time I'd actually felt like I was impacting someone and like I was in a moment, being someone else. But I wasn't really someone else. I was myself. And I think that's very powerful, just having that vulnerability and that ability to let go. If you can achieve that, it doesn't... Everything else ceases to matter suddenly because really it is all about just touching someone. And that's the moment for acting. Coming out of your head and just Just being being in the scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I think talking about maybe to wrap up because it's now very late into the podcast I'm just so excited about what you're saying but I think that that is a nice way to wrap it up I think that is the magic of a moment on screen that being able to connect in your reactions what both of you have said being so real that you therefore move somebody watching I think that for me would be the definition of a magic watchable authentic moment on screen would you agree agree with that for sure. If you believe it, they'll believe it. Yeah. yeah. And it, and I like that even though, you know, you didn't book the job or whatever, it, it doesn't, and you know, two varying experiences. Both of you moved people. Yes, it wasn't recognised, you know, by booking or getting an award and over here it was, but the truth and the magic of the moment is still there and I think that's what's important to remember as well. If you bring that to every scene, like you were saying earlier, don't worry about anything else. Get behind your project. Get behind your why connect to the scene be authentic and just let go and then i think that's all you can do to create magic that is maybe correct. yeah maybe we've solved the world's problems Guys, <laughs> in one to podcast this. i think we did listen to this and you will be <laughs> moved and impacted and you will walk away a different person who will throw out their tv do some stuff <laughs> start, start watching netflix for hours just limit your time you know? we try to impact people around you not yeah. even in film but just day-to-day life just yeah this is it we've got the magic formula right here we've nailed it today we've solved go. the you know actors problem this is it we'll sell this for a fortune and <laughs> write a book and, <laughs> and that's it all right thank you guys <laughs> thank you so much um for joining me um Bella and Andreas I've had so much fun talking to you and I really value your time and hopefully people listening at home have um, had the same experience where can we check you out where can we find you tell us everything that was very noisy sorry about that at home 
Um, well, if you want to find me on Instagram, my Instagram handle is Isabella Jacqueline Official because I'm officially me. Yeah, you are. And then um, my production company, which is all the films I've directed and things, that's Other Side Films, um, Other Side Dot Films on Instagram. So yeah, and what about you? Well, if you want to find me, just look for me. Just yeah, look for just you. Look for oh me. my god, you'll goodness. be around yeah. in your mind. I'll be on. I'll be on Instagram uh, with the AP Jesus is alive. AP Jesus is alive. I, I always that. like that when he likes one of my posts. I'm like, I feel good. He feel loved. Yeah. So yeah. follow him. It's a good feeling. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be sure to link um, both of you in our Instagram uh, thing. Um, if you want to find us, you can find us at Twitter at dramatic underscore post. You can find us on Instagram at post dramatic stress pod. You can find us via email via post dramatic stress pod at gmail.com. Um, please get in touch if there, if you liked what you heard today or if you didn't like what you heard today. I'd love to hear from you. Um, we wouldn't. Yeah, these guys might not, but I would. Um, or if you'd like to be on the show, um, yeah, please get in touch and come on board. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, see you soon for episode six. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Post Dramatic Stress. To connect with us or to register to come on the podcast, visit us at www.lettingcharlotteout.com or email us via postdramaticstresspod at gmail.com.